Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Bob Varsha, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good morning, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM for your post-qualifying show for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the last Grand Prix of the year. This is John Massengill, and I am joined by Bob Varsha and Jonathan Green, and Chris Medlin will be joining us from Yas Marina Circuit here shortly. Mr. Varsha, how are you this morning? I'm doing just great, John. Sitting here in a beautiful condominium in equally beautiful Jackson, Wyoming, and uh been a great thanksgiving i hope you guys all had a great one too yeah i did have a great thanksgiving mr green how are you sir i'm good i i have more luck than uh, carlos signs that's for sure oh. <laughs> yeah mr signs struggling again it's going to make for an interesting uh, grand prix with the constructors championship though between mercedes and ferrari so uh at least there's that but uh yeah um jonathan i'll start with you what do you think of qualifying Good. I mean, you know, this is the front row we wanted. It didn't, I mean, I really didn't know what to expect because after the, the sort of shenanigans that have gone on before, you know, I just I, I just thought it would be a bit of a lottery. And in, and in some ways it was because we didn't get the sort of normal run patterns that we're used to. Um, but in the end, the same old players, as it were. Um, not that surprised, obviously, with the result, but I do think that because of the lead up to this Grand Prix, a bit like Vegas, this is going to have some factors in it that we were, we're not expecting. And, uh, great to see Sonoda up there. Great to see, uh, Gasly again up there. Um, but again, like last weekend, does it, does it hold up for the, for the full race? Yeah. Bob, what do you think? Agree with Greeny's assessment there? Uh, generally, yeah, I was, uh, I kind of felt like I was on the back foot all during qualifying. And uh, I really think uh, Sergio Perez got away with one in Q2. I thought he was clearly off the track in the final corner on his last lap, but he wasn't nicked for it. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty jumbled grid in that we have a couple of guys clearly out of place. Obviously, Carlos Sainz going out in Q1 was a disaster. Lewis Hamilton going out in Q2 was something he hasn't done for years and years and years. And the fact that he's done it a couple of races in a row now, he hasn't done that since, gosh, his earliest days with Mercedes, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of potential. There's places to pass on this track. Quick cars coming from the back. Uh, I don't expect a big change on the podium, but uh, McLaren have certainly done a terrific job. And, um, you know, let's see what we get. <laughs> Yeah, McLaren's done a great job, and um, Lando Norris did a great job with his rally skills on that last lap in qualifying. Man, he was—he almost lost it, it looks like. He was very sideways. Well, a couple of guys had that problem. Perez had it, too. I thought David Coulthard said something interesting during the TV broadcast. He said, you know, that might have been the electric motor kicking in under battery power. Uh, that caught him out, you know, when he put his foot down trying to make the corner exit. Suddenly, it looks like the rear wheels, you know, the, the back of the car started chasing the front, classic oversteer, and um, caught him off guard. Yeah, I'm sure uh, other drivers in the field could probably sympathize. What a difference a week makes for McLaren. I mean, good gosh. Um, you know, and well done again to Piastri. But, um, yeah, I think the two big stories for me have got to be um, – Mercedes and McLaren, the difference. Yeah. 
and that uh, Mercedes Ferrari battle uh, for the constructors runner-up is uh, is really evenly matched now because as soon as Sainz went out, everybody thought, oh no, there it goes Mercedes going to have the advantage. Then Hamilton goes out, and so suddenly it's uh, it's more of a fair fight. It's going to be interesting to watch. A lot of important strategic decisions to be made by teams during this. Uh, during this race, and think of the pressure on Nico Hulkenberg for crying out loud. Kevin Magnuson went out first. Um, Hulkenberg's in a really decent position to score some points and maybe lift Haas off the bottom of the constructors' table. Yeah, for sure, that would be huge for Haas. Um, I want to talk. It looks like Chris Metal has joined us, and and uh, good timing because I want to talk about Logan Sargent. Man, he um, he did not. Uh, have oh, it looks like Chris is having some audio trouble. We'll come back to him in a minute. But but Logan is has struggled again today, and um, I mean he's had a good run of it lately. But uh, that the fact that he did not get a time in, I, I mean yeah, that that's that's uh, that's rough. He had his two his two push laps were deleted for track limits, and he didn't miss it by a little. He was well off the track in both circumstances, so. You know, you got to play by the rules, kid. I'm sure he was desperate to get a good result. And, you know, he can he can still come forward. Uh, Alex Selbon, his teammate, proved once again that there is potential in the Williams to at least frighten the guys at the lower levels of the points. And uh, maybe he'll have that opportunity in this race. But, um, you know, his, I'd, I'd like to argue that, that Logan Sargent's season has ended on a bit of an upswing. Yeah, it's not, you know threatening to contend for a world championship or anything, but I think he has shown a little bit of improvement, whether that's enough for the Williams team to keep him there um, remains to be seen. I don't know if anybody's score sheet changed after Friday morning when we saw those 10, um, you know, uh, non regular drivers out there, obviously Drugovich did really, really well for uh, Aston Martin. Um, we know what Jack Dewan can do, uh, Liam Lawson. I mean, a lot of people have young kids with a lot of talent in the pipeline. Whether one of them might bump Logan Sargent from the Williams lineup remains to be seen. But I would argue that Logan has improved at the end of the season. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And <clears> I've been saying that. I think I was just, you know, I hate, I hate to end the season, the final you know, you know, he's got the race to come, but the final qualifying of the season, he he doesn't set a lap time. And I don't know, it just seemed it's not not the way. And also I wanted to get Chris's take when he gets back on because he dropped an article on racer.com yesterday or this morning. I haven't looked at the win, but talking about how James Vowles is is still committed, but saying that he does have alternatives in case they decide to go a different direction. So yeah, uh, he was interviewed by Sky on the on the board, and, and they brought it up. And you know, again, he kept to, he said, "I've been consistent in my line, which is, you know, I want to, to wait till the end of the season." And there's no question, there's been an uptick, and he's pleased with that uptick from from Logan. Um, and like I said, I, I've never seen a, a fairer guy in Formula One in terms of at least audibly to the the, the, the press about his decision-making process. Um, I, and I, I do think that James Valls is a little bit different uh, in his approach than, than Red Bull would be. Um, and I think he's giving him a chance. Um, and I think 
he's got done up. Yeah. Um, let's see the uh, the all oh, other thing. Albon, of course, did a sweep on the season on uh, qualifying with Logan Sargent. So, I mean, and I'm not saying that a, a big negative against Logan either because. Albon has done a great job this year and he's looked really fantastic. Like you were saying, Bob. So, uh, but, but I, but that is a, you know, that is a, another stat to consider in this whole thing. And cause how else do you measure your, what's the best way you measure your performances against your teammates. So, uh, but let's look at some of the other stories. Cause it was um, interesting for Piastri, you know, with out qualifying Norris with Norris's bad last lap there. And of course, Russell out out qualifying Hamilton. I mean, Bob, you mentioned it's a big surprise, but that's two in a row for Hamilton, if I'm not mistaken. I think I heard them say for two in a row yeah. that he did not, not, not make Q3. Yeah. yeah. And um, then he and Russell are equal in terms of what you just talked about the comparison between the teammates, 11 for each. Yep. So, uh, and we talk about this from time to time as deferential as George Russell is toward Lewis Hamilton, um, uh, it, it, they really are equally um, are performing at an equally equal level, I would say. Um, and Russell really seems to have the fire in the belly right now. I think he sees that this is an opportunity. Lewis was terribly downcast on the radio after his uh, after being knocked out in Q2. Then all I could say was there's something wrong with the car, and maybe that's true. But Lewis has not been right up there all weekend, really. I mean, not to the level that we expect of the seven-time world champion. So maybe there is something wrong with the car, not the way they're going to want to end the season. Lewis has said it before, I can't wait to get out of this car yeah. for the last time. And I, I, I think, think – yeah. I think that's the biggest point, isn't it? He he hates that car. Yeah. Russell, I think, has a better ability to drive around problems, and he did it at Williams so successfully. Um, and mm -hmm. I think Hamilton's so used to the smoothness of having a really good on-point car with Mercedes, and they haven't got one this year. Any more luck with Chris? Uh uh, let's see. Chris tried to jump on again, and looks like he's having trouble with his mic out there. But, hey, I was just looking at the constructor standing. You know, uh, Hamilton's uh, got a huge lead on Russell, as we know, this year. It's 232 to hunt to 160. So for the year, Lewis Hamilton has, you know, and let's not forget that uh, last year was the opposite, where Russell outscored out Hamilton. So, you know, uh, for the year, Hamilton is – has has looked great this year compared to last year, and maybe that's part of his frustration too. Yeah, it could very well be. Jonathan, the battle's going on through. Jonathan, you're muted. Okay. What your mic is? Who's yeah, muted? we've got to keep an eye on some of those battles. Uh, between Alonso, Norris, Sainz, Leclerc. I think that's the focus is is, is who's going to finish where. There is yeah. so few points between, well, in fact, there's equal points between Sainz and Alonso. So that's going to be a good battle. And now with Sainz losing out again, I mean, he's going to be downtrodden after what has been a ridiculous couple of weeks for him. Mm. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. 
Um, just looking at the rest of the uh, the order today. Well, let me just run down the full order in case anybody just tuned in. It's for Stappen on pole, followed by Leclerc, Piastri, and Russell on the second row, and then Lando Norris, Yuki Sonoda. We haven't talked about him yet. Good good finishing and qualifying there in sixth. Alonzo in seventh. Hulkenberg, like you'd mentioned, Bob, is in good position to score points for the Haas and try to move them up off the bottom. Uh, followed by Perez and Gasly, who both had their lap times deleted. That's that's one story we really haven't talked about much yet, which we hadn't seen um, in the uh, early parts of the session. And Chris just texted and says, all caps, I'm in. He's he's connected. Mr. Medlin, how are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. Sorry about all that. For some reason, my phone settings have changed. That meant the headphones didn't work on my phone, but we have fixed it. Or well, I have fixed it. So I'm feeling very proud that I'm finally with you guys. Uh, you're your a crack, tech genius. <laughs> your crack tech team jumped in and helped you. No, it was uh, it was just me having to work out where I'd gone wrong, and uh, it's nothing I'd changed. <laughs> I think a software update did it. So, um, yeah, bane of my life. But uh, I've made my way to the TV pen to try and see who can grab and stay head back down to their garages. And you mentioned Yuki. I'd like to get Yuki, but I heard you say track limits there as well. And I don't know if we've gone into it yet, but Logan Sargent twice twice in q1 both times at turn one both laps were good laps this his second lap was definitely good enough to get through to q2 first corner of his second lap without a lap time on the board exceeds track limits again uh, what a blow that is because he does not have a seat for next year it's not confirmed yeah and chris we did talk about it but i'm i'm glad you said that because i, I was a a little downbeat about it because you know that's not the way to finish your last qualifying. I mean, and Bob brought up the point that he's had you know a good run of it lately. He's had you know a little more consistency, but uh, and you know we have the race to come. So, but I, I did see your article on Racer.com and kind of maybe give us the gist of that. Yeah, it was um, sadly. So it was actually an interview I did with uh, James Vowles where. Uh, I was trying to record it so that we could use it, but the his microphone failed. So uh, you could barely make up what he was saying, but I managed to get it down with my phone. And he said that he genuinely has not made a decision yet on whether uh, he's going to keep Logan or not. That they, He's setting these targets. He's been looking at it. Uh, and he will only make a decision after this weekend. He's going to sit down and look at all the facts then. Says he's got alternative options if he needs them. Realistically, he was hinting that he hopes he doesn't need them. But where I felt, because I, I also sat down with Logan on Thursday, and Logan seemed very calm, uh, but insisted he didn't know, uh, said he wished he knew uh, himself whether he was staying or not for a second season. Uh, but I felt, oh, maybe they told him internally they're just not ready to announce. You know, for someone to be so calm going into what could be their final race is uh, an interesting position. But no, uh, even off record, both insist no decisions, no communication, nothing. Uh, spoke to Logan's trainer, spoke to other trainers who spoken to Logan's trainer, uh, you know, corroborated it. So he is still auditioning for that seat, and he's just got tomorrow to, to try and cement it. Did he talk about any of the options? He did not, but the way that uh, Val said alternative options, it, and the way he said they were available to him, it led me to feel like he was talking about some someone in the Mercedes uh, setup. Because obviously, Valves has a very good relationship with Mercedes, having come from there to start this year, and with Jane and with uh, Toto Wolf, and he also knows the young drivers that were in that setup. Now, Fred Vesti is he's won the sprint race here uh, today in Formula Two that keeps the F2 title fight alive uh, and gives him 
half a shot uh, at winning the championship tomorrow. He's a big rank outsider. Uh, Teo Porsche, the Alfa Romeo young driver, should should wrap it up. But if Vesti, uh, Vesti is part of the Mercedes setup and drove an FP1, uh, both in Mexico and here, I haven't had the impression that Mercedes are really behind him making it to F1. But maybe they've seen something and said, you know what, you could call on him if you want. Maybe it's Mick Schumacher, even though he's just signed with Alpine in, in Hypercar, in WEC. I'm sure that he probably has a clause that says if an F1 team comes knocking, I can go there. Uh, so it could be Mick, who's also the reserve still at Mercedes. Uh, I, I, I struggle beyond that to see a realistic one for him to be able to say he has the options available to him. Because someone like Felipe Drogovic or Liam Lawson, that would need discussion with teams that he doesn't have the same relationship with uh, and also he would just be helping out a rival team develop one of their own drivers so i, I feel like it's a mercedes link driver if any mm. all right well coming up after this we're going to help break down the rest of what we've uh, seen in qualifying and we'll talk about the grand prix tomorrow you listen to speed city f1 back after these messages on YouTube says, so Chris is telling me not to upgrade to iOS 17. Glad he got that sorted. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, that's what happened overnight. That is genuinely what happened overnight. Yeah. Is my audio okay now? Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely better, Jonathan. Did you just adjust it in, uh, yeah. in Zoom? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why. I, I, I mean, I haven't adjusted it. it just it's, I, I don't know why it defaults like that. Uh, Mike Bowles says two front rows equal four manufacturers. Nice. Uh, let's see what else we got out there. Uh, Mike Bowles says, hey, cool, Mr. Varsha, that you're on vacation. He says, I'm in Rock Springs, Wyoming. Oh, I have no idea where that is, but <laughs> it's God's country, truly. We had uh, we had a couple inches of snow the first, uh, really the first of the year on the street level. Uh, right on uh, Thanksgiving Day, and now wow. it's just ice and slush. They opened the the uh, Jackson Hole Resort for skiing on one run, which the locals call the Strip of Death. Um, <laughs> so you can ski in Jackson Hole right now, but uh, it's uh, it's about time for that post Thanksgiving dump so they can open the whole mountain. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. Jonathan, one of the questions on <laughs> one of the questions on YouTube is, "What's wrong with your glasses?" <laughs> They're broken. I'm going to go. I'm trying to find my other one. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. <laughs> you know what? Max Godfrey brought up a good point. As much as we we're talking about Logan Sargent, he says, "To be fair, minus the two track limits, Logan was fast. It's just he was, he was. That was a a real yeah. tragedy for Logan. It's going to be a." My question it's going to be no easy decision for James Bowles. I think it's uh it's gonna be a long holiday for Logan Sarge. Yeah. My question for yeah, we'll ask him when we come back, Digi. All right. Hello to everyone. This is Gunter Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to Speed City F1 on Series 6 in. And during the break, we were still talking about Logan Sargent. Jonathan, you have another question for Chris well, about this? 
Yeah, I, I just wonder, you know, we talk about the relationship and, you know, he said it in Vegas, how important Toto has been to him. I mean, is this one of those situations where he turns to Toto and says, what do you think? Who do you want me to develop to help Mercedes? Because they're going to be in that position in a couple of years uh, with Hamilton. So, you know, uh, I mean, you know, I, I just, I just, and who's there for, my question was, who's there for driving on Tuesday? And could Stoffel Van Dorn and Aston Martin come into play? Van Dorn's an interesting one. That's, that's actually a good question. He's not someone I'd really put in that frame. Uh, but I wonder if he might have a clause that allows him to leave that role if he can get a race seat uh, and whether Valve sees potential in Van Dorn. I feel like, realistically, having invested in Logan for a whole year, and seen improvements, as, as we were saying, and, and we've championed as he's uh, delivered them. We, there's definitely been improvements in Sargent in the second half of this year. There was Annoyingly, there was crashes that went alongside them after the summer break, but then he ironed those out, and he's had a really good run, actually. Uh, and it's been pretty impressive. But today is probably the first time you go, ah, you know, mistakes that are costly that the team will be a bit frustrated with, a bit upset about. Now, having gone through that, he's definitely better than he was at the start of the year. Uh, and, and more experienced in Formula One. Therefore, I think you only replace him either with a talent that's standout, and I just don't see where that young driver position is right now that's definitely going to be better than, than Logan is, or an experienced driver who, who you can trust a bit more to put in the car and, and be closer to Albon regularly. Uh, so Van Dorn might fit that bill, maybe. Uh, it's why I thought Mick, maybe, because of the couple of years he's had at Haas and, and the fact that Mercedes have retained him as a reserve and, and do... They do like Mick. Uh, he's done a lot of good work in the simulator. But it's why Vesti doesn't quite like knock the door down for me. It would surprise me. But he's the guy who's in the Mercedes testing on Tuesday as well um, in, the, in the rookie part of the young driver test. Teams are also allowed to run their race car with their race drivers to do tyre testing. So there'll be two cars from each team and quite, quite a few of them are splitting half a day for each race driver. Um, all one's getting an early start to their winter break uh, and the other one's doing all the work. But yeah, there's... Again, the problem is there's just no standout candidate, is there? We're not sat here going, well, well it's got to be so-and-so. Liam Lawson's another no. name that comes to mind. And I, I'd love to see, but, but Red Bull rate him and they're going to want him want to keep him in their stable. So why would James Rowles try and develop a Red Bull driver for them? Yeah. Makes no sense. And also, I just wonder how many American companies that are involved in Williams quite like the idea, and I'm thinking Duracell, uh, quite like the idea of a very marketable Michelob, obviously. Uh, but, um, you know, he was everywhere in Austin, his face. And, you know, he is the young American. And whether he's scored lots of points or not, he's still very marketable, if that's a consideration. Yeah, he was also everywhere in Vegas, too. His, I saw him yeah. on the, the tram, the trains and stuff. So, yeah, that's that. I mean, that 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 was seemingly the obvious one, Jonathan. These, but you're right. They've really, you know, put him out there. So it's going to be really interesting. Hey, Chris, I tweeted right before we went on air that the uh, the stewards message about the um, incident involving Piastri and Gasly is going to be investigated. Um have you heard anything on that? And what do you guys think about that? So having seen the footage, I think it would be harsh to be a penalty. Uh, I feel like if anything, Gazi may well have got a bit of help from that um, in terms of slipstream. Now, not, not a hugely long one uh, because of where mm -hmm. the incident happened on the run to the hairpin, but uh, something that I'd have felt was more beneficial than harmful. But 
at the same time, if Gasly reported it and said I had to lift or I was disturbed by the dirty air because of where he was sitting, uh, then, you know, that's down for Alpine to then argue, I guess. But uh, all we've got so far is the summons. So it's 8 o'clock local time that Oscar has to go to the stewards, which is in half an hour, basically. Uh, so I imagine just as we come off air. But he's, uh, he's right now just come into the TV pen after doing the top three press conference alongside Maxim Charles. So he'll be doing media duties, I think, right up to then going to the stewards. Uh, and speaking of media duties, I am still hovering to try and get you through, but he's a popular man. So he's now speaking to the print media. Uh, and clearly he's happy because he's doing a lot of talking. Uh, and, and that's normally a, normally a sign of uh, how happy with their day a driver is, is when they take ages to, to come out of the pen. I have a question. When have we ever seen an upgrade on the final race of the year? And that's what AlphaTauri have done. I'm, I, I'm, I'm actually stunned by that. Mm, now, I have a bit of uh, political wrangling that goes along with that upgrade. So uh, I can't name, okay. I don't think I should name the team principal who off record mentioned it, but they suggested they have their suspicions about why that upgrade is on that car right now. And the team that is restricted by wind tunnel time this year through both winning championships and having a cost cap penalty added uh, is the team that owns AlphaTauri. Yeah, and they won all the races, that one. Exactly, and has done limited development this year. So they said they're interested to see where that floor ends up next year uh, Ah. or any influence from it and if there's any IP transfer. Because, yeah, the hint was, potentially, uh, it could be that uh, Red Bull still benefit from that AlphaTauri development. And that's one of the reasons they're doing it, because they're then proving it out on track. So, ah. we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I think I'm, yeah, I'm very much in Yuki's way at the moment. He's off to do another TV interview, so I'll we'll see if I can pee back off the back of that one. Um, that's one way to do but, it, Chris, just stand in front of him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and How's your Japanese? Hand over him. <laughs> yeah, he, he's... Um, He's fortunately at least moved away from the scrum. I tell you, this this race is a sign of F1's gl- growing popularity, by the way. When when you're in the Middle East, where it was very, very quiet in the past, even as the final round, uh, quite often it was a really, um, yeah, really a pretty quiet paddock and a pretty quiet event. Uh, it's grown naturally in terms of just become more established, but certainly the last three or four years now, it's this is heaving in the paddock again. There's people, fans everywhere trying to stop the drivers. Um, yeah. You can't go anywhere now. There's no such thing as a quiet race in Formula One anymore. It's That's what thing. I was just about to ask you, Chris. You know, it's the it's the traditional end of the season there at Abu Dhabi, and I, you know, is it does it have the kind of ramp down feeling a little more relaxed? But it sounds like the the uh, the fans anyway, and the crowd is just as much into it. Well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's no ramp down certainly because uh, people are still just trying to fight through after Las Vegas. Uh, but because there's so much slot for grabs, isn't there? Every Every team yeah. except Red Bull or Alpine could finish in a different position in the Constructors' Championship than they currently occupy. So there's loads at stake in that sense. Yeah. What were you going to say, Jonathan? I was going to say, having done a Medlin last weekend on the grid, I don't envy him. <laughs> that, that stuff, that, I mean, I, I, I bumped into Tim Mayer in the middle of it and went, yeah, the world's most expensive cars and the world's most expensive people all gathered in one tiny space. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's... it's um, it was quite a an interesting experience, put it that way. Yeah, I think there were a lot of upgrades among the people crowding the Vegas grid. There was a lot of uh, definitely a lot of, a lot of surgery there. Yes, definitely. And a some, lot of, uh, lot of 
interesting well, flaws. Father is bringing her daughters out to a Formula One race. Yeah, that's Vegas <laughs> for you. Yeah. Did anybody else find it ironic that we put ten rookies out there and free practice one on Friday, and it's a smooth session? And then we have 20 veterans out there for free practice, too, and we're crashing everywhere. Yeah, it almost wasn't, though, for doing. My word. Sergeant almost yeah. uh, garroted him. Yeah, that was, a, that was a close moment. That was one that went down against Williams uh, for a penalty. Williams got a €5,000 fine for that uh, because bet. they didn't tell, didn't tell Sergeant that doing was coming. And in that final sector, there's, you know, there's quite the way this marina setup is. You don't see beyond the corner before and you're normally quite close to the mm-hmm. corner before so uh sergeant could not see in his mirrors that a car was coming uh, until with one second before doing arrived the team suddenly warned him and that's why he reacted and tried to jump out of the way uh problem was it was so late that doing had already then committed to going to the inside and got in the way so yeah it was uh, a very uh, very close call that one uh, and so sergeant got a warning because he changed his line late in trying to jump out of the way. He should have, should have stayed where he was to be more predictable, is what they said. Uh, Lance Stroll had a very similar situation with Fred Vesti, uh, and he also got, uh, well, Aston Martin got the same fine for not telling him, but because Stroll held his line uh, and didn't erratically move off it, uh, that's why he didn't get any sort of penalty himself. But again, as you say, that was two race drivers uh, that have been working with their engineers and their teams all year who caused trouble for two uh, replacement drivers. So, yeah, the, the rookies, Two rookies. I think, you know, they did a great job they did hap- on, on Friday. This happens over and over. Uh, we hear, you know, drivers saying, why didn't you tell me he was coming? Generally, and you may not know the answer to this, Chris, but generally who's responsible on the pit wall for telling the driver that someone is coming? Who's watching traffic? Uh, they're race engineers. So they will have the... Um, the track map that has the driver trackers on so they can see where every car right. is. And they've got the second times to know if someone's on a push lap or on a cool lap, so how quickly they're arriving. Um, and they also get told by other team members back at base, uh, essentially gaps how quickly they're going to arrive, how far behind them right. they are. Uh, and then it's down to the race engineer to directly relay that information and say, here's, here's who's coming, here's where they're at. They normally would say, you know, doing it 10 seconds, be talking about something else for a while, then doing it five seconds. So you know he's coming um, right. and the driver himself can then anticipate. But instead, Williams were telling Sergeant about the preparation he was doing for his own lap. And that's all they were talking about. So he was focused on that. He was listening to the team on that. And then suddenly, you know, doing one second and you're like, that means that this car's basically right behind me. And his reaction was to try and get off the racing line uh, and too late. Yeah. <laughs> well, television uses it all the time. They put up the graphic... Car X is going to catch Car Y in this amount of time. You know why that? Why that's not a, a more rare problem on the racetrack is a little puzzle. Indeed. Now my my waiting has paid off because I've got Yuki. Who we'll, we'll walk and talk, Yuki. We'll let we'll let you get you get yourself back to the uh, back to the hospitality unit. We get to walk past a lovely marina. It's a lovely setting for an interview. Uh, yeah, much quieter than all the fans as well. But Yuki, third row for tomorrow's race. Uh, you've put. Alpha Tari right in a position to take this seventh spot from Williams. How pleased are you with how today's gone? Yeah, uh, bit of surprise, I would say. Uh, especially uh, yesterday, we struggled a lot. Uh, but uh, overnight, and FP3 felt much, much better. And uh, team did a fantastic job to make, make the car a step forward. And uh, just have to, for myself, just put it all together. And uh, yeah, ended up P6. Uh, it's a great position to start with. 
and um, extra pressure for Williams and um, just won't be easy for tomorrow um, to nail the P7 but we do all what we, what we can do and so far it's been a good rhythm so just uh, maximize this opportunity. You say a good rhythm. I think in every session there, you were 124.2, every uh, fastest lap throughout the session. Everyone else is fluctuating with different lap times. What does that say, though, for your chances of the race? Are you comfortable with this car being good over a long run, too? Yeah, it's able to uh, drive consistently. I think without also team efforts, uh, they um, they put me in a consistent uh, track position, and that gives a lot of uh, better confidence. Um and um, yeah, just have to put it all together tomorrow. I think uh, won't be like there's a past, couple of fast fast cars yet um, in the back in the back, so you know uh, won't be easy. But uh, seems like we can always something happen here. So just have to make it clean and uh, yeah, see how it goes. Now, if my maths are right, you need a top seven result to overhaul Williams. You're starting sixth. Do you go attacking? Do you get defensive? How do you approach it? I think attacking. France hates uh, defending, always. So, uh, um, obviously, I'll do our best. Obviously, not not too crazy, but uh, yeah, always go to the aggressive side. Um, and yes, I think the most important thing is uh, just we do all, we do our we can and just extract the performance from the car 100, percent and uh, that's the most important thing. So so far, it's, uh, we're doing a good job. So we just continue like this. Sounds good. Well done today. Yeah, nice. Excited for him. That's great. And he, he, uh, he, he definitely. He almost sounds like a, a, a different driver. Right? He's matured yeah. so much, hasn't he? Well, that that was what I was about to say. Is if we're we've been discussing Sergeant. Remember how we discussed Yuki two years ago, where where we thought, ah, he's Honda's guy. He's not good enough. He's not going to make it. And the truth is, he's actually outperformed anybody from DeFries to Ricardo to Lawson, and he has matured. He is a different driver. Listen to his comments. Then they mm -hmm. are very different. And even though he gets a little bit excited on the radio. I, I was my point was with a little bit of time as France Tost has put into him, moving him out of Milton Keynes and bring him to Italy, getting him a new trainer. Um, it's working. And I and I really do think that Yuki's a good example for what James Valls is looking at with Sargent. I wonder France Tost's departure, how will that affect Yuki? As you point out, they've developed what appears to be a pretty personal relationship mm -hmm. between yeah. team principal and driver. Now, Tost is retiring, whether he's jumping or being pushed, I don't know. But um, if he and Yuki aren't, you know, working together next year, that may impact uh, Yuki's performance. And you've got to think of the future for Yuki, given that he is tied to Honda and where he is, at, where he is right now is not. And where Honda's Honda. going, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point, though, Jonathan, about letting your driver develop, right? It's it's a case study that James Vowles can look at and go, this is what has worked really well with Yuki, you know? And It's so hard to develop a Formula 1 driver. I mean, and, and we're not finding the names. We're not coming up with names that go, that spring out and go, he, he's got to be in the seat. Yeah. I think that right there is probably the biggest thing in Logan's favor right now is, and, and and you know, let's. It would be great to let him develop because, like you said, Bob, he has shown consistency towards the end of the season. I know that 
that this weekend has not been perfect, but, um, but, you know, look, we're only, we got a race tomorrow. So let's see how we can do, you know, coming up, maybe, you know, have another good consistent race tomorrow. So, all right, well, let's go ahead and um, let's, let's get our last break in. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion. And I want to talk about Fred Vasseur. I wrote down some notes coming up after this. Way to the left to avoid the racing line. He says, I'm no steward, but I agree with Chris. It would be a very harsh penalty. That's good. Oh, don't agree with me. Dangerous. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> My okay, question is about Chris, the sap and all. Is it worthwhile or not? What was that that post you put on uh, on Twitter about driving a Formula One car? What was that all about? Uh, yes, this is probably a better one just for YouTube rather than anyone else. But there's a, a media karting championship put on by Alpine. And uh, it ran over, there was five races across four rounds. So we had a race in Bahrain at the start of the year, one in Spa in the middle of the year, which was soaking wet. Great fun. Uh, one in Qatar. And then here in Abu Dhabi, there was uh, two races, a reverse grid race and then uh, a feature race. Uh, and yours truly managed to uh, win the championship. So I won the race oh, in Bahrain. Oh, come uh, on! <laughs> I think I was third in Spa, second in Qatar. And then uh, I was I was taken out of the sprint race and I qualified second. Uh, so started ninth, was up to fourth and fighting for the lead and got taken out. So finished sixth. And then they did. Instead of qualifying order for the main race, they took the result from race one. So race, you know, the point of qualifying was useless so i'd start sixth in race in the in the main race and came through and won that and uh the prize allegedly is to drive a formula one car at some point next year well chris chris how much to to put the speed city sticker on the car next year now i was you know it's gonna be three but i'm sure it's gonna be a lot more now john can we can we not post that this is a great story racing driver I'll get um I'll get Alpine to one they have to confirm what where and when, and until that is confirmed, I'm holding, I'm reserving judgment. It should have been the 2012 car at Paul Ricard, but that program might change, so that's why they're like can't tell you exactly what where and when. Uh, but if it does happen, I mean I'm sure that might be up, and I can uh, get a bit of colour for everyone. Will Will any of the investors be there? Will Patrick Mahomes be there to perhaps? Uh... Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to Speed City. Chris Medlin was just telling us about his successful uh, weekend karting and the potential to the uh, in his future to drive an F1 car. So. Uh, That's why he's talking to James Vowles. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in line for the seat. That's right. (laughs) Tell you what we do. I I imagine putting a Speed City F1 sticker on the car when he drives it is going to be expensive. So we take out a life insurance policy on Chris, (laughs) and we can use the proceeds to pay for the decal if everything goes wrong. Come on, man. (laughs) Now, listen, I got a question. I know one thing Chris Medlin won't be is petulant. What's Verstappen doing in the tunnel? I mean, and why is he getting away uh, with it? No, he. I'm going to defend him here, uh, Johnny Green. He's doing okay. nothing wrong when it when he was in the tunnel yesterday. So for anyone who didn't see in practice, uh, Verstappen overtook cars that were crawling out of the tunnel because the pit 
the pit lane speed limit ends basically at the end of where the garages are. And then the, the pit lane exit dips down under the track through a little tunnel and emerges on the inside of turn one slash outside of turn two. Uh, now, there was nothing there. And sadly, I'm going to have to tell you guys that I'm missing Oscar Piastri here because he's off to the stewards right now. I was going to grab him. Um, so as it stood, the rules allowed, you know, there was no rule about what you could do once you left the, the pit lane in terms of the speed limiter was released. And in Brazil, people might remember that you could overtake in the pit lane exit uh, as long as the, the cars that were going slowly were told they had to stay to the left to leave room for cars to overtake if they wanted to go quicker. And that's because we had this problem of, of cars backing each other up in the pit lane uh, in the exit, trying to make a gap ready for their own qualifying laps. Now, in practice, Verstappen didn't want to hang around. He wanted to get on with his lap. Others were trying to go slower. Uh, and he basically forced his way through. He found tiny little gaps and wedged his car in it. It was quite impressive, actually. We're talking millimeters between like wall and other cars and things. Uh, and after that, uh, apparently Fernando Alonso did it once as well at some stage that wasn't captured on TV. But after that, it was uh, decided in the driver's briefing on Friday night uh, with the race director that that wouldn't be allowed. So you would not be allowed to overtake in the tunnel and you couldn't overtake until the pit exit line um, that joins the track on the outside of turn two. So at the time that Verstappen did it, completely fine, completely legal. Uh, he, was, he was impatient, yes, but you know, he had his own own session to do wasn't a problem if he had done it today he'd have got a penalty You're not allowed to anymore um and yeah someone else called called this and said oh so it's fine when verstappen does it but no one else is going to be allowed to and it's like well you can't you can't outlaw something that hasn't been shown up yet uh, and all he's done actually prior yeah. to this is is know the rules and know what he is allowed to do and, and play by them um yeah. and he didn't break them today either so uh yeah i kind of had that yeah. problem with that i actually was a bit of bit of a shame i thought that that they stopped it because I thought it could have made some quite interesting drama seeing uh, drivers kind of fighting their way out through that tunnel. But uh, <laughs> I think the stewards uh, or the race director, sorry, was a bit worried that there might be uh, an incident of two cars coming together and blocking the tunnel and then no one can leave the pit lane. Right. That was uh, that was what came to mind when they when we first started coming to uh, Abu Dhabi. Uh, David Hobbs and Steve Matchett and I were all horrified at the idea that somebody's going to get sideways and park it in the tunnel, and then what happens? Hmm. But uh, it's never it's never really happened. Hmm. Hey, did you guys Not see? Yet. Did you guys see that they were using? Uh, I think starting this weekend, maybe you can confirm, Chris, but they're using AI to check for track limits, and I saw. A, a, uh, a graphic on the television broadcast where they showed that they they um, the computer looks at whether or not a car has crossed over. And what they do is they um, they the computer says, okay, all these are good laps. These are laps that might be an issue. And that's why it seemed to be faster when they were coming up with the track limits. That I thought that was interesting. So I Definitely. believe that process of uh, here are the laps that might be an issue what was already existing because I seem to remember it was at Austria last year. They said it was going to be a long time. Sorry, this year. They said it was going to be a long time until they could confirm the results uh, because they had loads of laps to look through. Hundreds of potential infringements that had been flagged up by yeah. either the computer or by marshals at those corners that said, check that lap, check that lap. Uh, and they had a huge, huge list. Uh, but yes, I, I do think it might be still kind of being used in terms of uh, an experiment. Uh, to see how much they can rely on it for uh, competitive sessions. It's the sort of thing they'll test in practice sessions. But there was another one, anyone who watched qualifying, um, rather than listen to it, and I hope you were listening with us, but if you did see the footage, uh, with Logan Sargent's second deleted lap time, 
what the FIA did or Formula One got to do, which is rare, is show the fixed camera that the stewards are using to judge these decisions. So there was this whole, um, everyone remember, there was a bit of a protest, wasn't there, from Haas about uh, what happened in Austin and certain cars cutting turn six. And one of the reasons it was thrown out was because the stewards said, we don't have a fixed camera that is set in one position, pointing at that corner to give us uh, an accurate, consistent, repetitive view of it to work out what everyone does every lap. Uh, so they showed one of those cameras where Sergeant went off. It, it looked slightly lower quality and it was a bit of an odd angle, but it showed clearly the car going off that way. So uh, that's also what they use. And quite often the stewards have to just go and quickly check that footage to see if someone stayed in or not. Yeah, I thought that was great. And when I first heard them saying they're using AI, I was like, uh-oh. I mean, but of course they leave <laughs> it up to the humans, the stewards themselves for the final decision. But I thought it was great, the idea that you you weed out all the ones that are not a problem. And that way they can focus on the, you know, the ones that they really need to be focusing. I thought that was a good idea. But hey, before we went to the break, I wanted I mentioned Fred Vasseur and this may be a post-race discussion, but I at least wanted to start thinking about it. And I, I want to, I put down, you know, end of Fred Vasseur's first year grade question mark. You know, how do we, how do we grade him in Ferrari this year? Um, Bob, what do you think? What do you, Bob Varsha, do you think that uh, he's done a good job so far? Well, I think he has, um, you know, we all know, or veteran fans know that Ferrari can be a real quagmire in terms of getting things done and, you know, avoiding unnecessary conflict. But at least outwardly, I would say Vasur has done a great job of, you know, whatever it takes, consolidating his power or getting assurances from the higher-ups at Ferrari and Fiat, which is normally where the trouble starts, and seems to have a good relationship with the media. And if it's not the executives that cause the trouble, it's the media in Italy that, that likes to stir the pot at Ferrari. So... Yeah, I'd give uh, I'd give Fred a very solid grade. Uh, I'll, I'll give him an A. Mm. What about you, Chris? I, I think I give him a B. I think I'm I'm, I'm close. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with everything that Bob said. But I think when you're um, when you are Ferrari, your your expectations are high. If you look at where the team and car was for a lot of last season, I don't think, feel like the team's moved on that far. And I think there was maybe still a reluctance to make certain changes, um, rightly or wrongly, until he'd seen how it played out under his watch but if you just looked over recent history things like strategy and stuff like that did need addressing and got addressed mid-season so um yeah i'd say i'd say some good but there's still been some issues within the team that then say okay he needs to maybe be a bit firmer with them uh moving forward but i guess you could say i'm being overly harsh because we'll only see that play out longer term uh, moving forward but yeah I'm, I'm, i'll stick with a b for now because surely you get an a when you win a championship right huh, yeah and Jonathan, okay. oh, I'll go along with that. So if I could just interrupt before you go on for, for any more, I'm actually going to get another team boss for a quick word on actually how their day's gone today. Zach Brown uh, is here with me. And Zach, are you going to sleep a bit more soundly tonight, having both your cars in the top 10, trying to hold up Aston Martin? And with Oscar, fingers crossed there's no penalty for him, starting third. Uh, shouldn't be any penalty because he didn't beat Gasly. Gasly stayed flat and got a toe. So uh, hopefully that's a, a non-issue. Uh, yeah, feel good ultimately, I think. We left a little bit on the table in, in qualifying. But uh, as I said to Andre, it's pretty good when we're a little bit disappointed with P3, P5. But I think we're in good shape. We've got two fast race cars, two very fast racing drivers. Uh, so we just need to execute tomorrow. So if Lando wasn't drifting in the final set, that you're saying he could have been on the front row maybe? Yeah, I think he had a P2 in, in him there. So, um, But 
if he can get to P2 like he did in Brazil, maybe in, in turn one, I'm sure uh, that means Oscar will want to be P1 because I don't think he's going to want to get passed by anyone. Uh, but it's going to be fun tomorrow. Do you have the car to put a bit of pressure on Max or is it a fight for second again? Um, Max doesn't seem to have been as quick all weekend long. Um, I'd like to think we can push him, but my sneaky suspicion is uh, he's now got uh, it all together. Come qualifying, he'll be pretty tough in the race, but uh, we're going to try. And just finally, do you then look at Aston Martin, all of tomorrow's race? Is that all that matters really is just keeping them at bay? No, I think uh, we want to race for the, for the win, for the podium. I think uh, that's kind of defensive driving to, to worry about people that are behind you. So we got to look forward. Well, good luck. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Mm. Nice. All right, guys, we just got a little bit of time left. Jonathan, let me throw to you. What, what are you looking forward to tomorrow? We do have a lot to play for tomorrow besides Max, but what are you looking forward to? Hey, to be honest, look at look at the show we've just done. I mean, all of the questions that we brought up, uh, I'm also looking forward to next Tuesday because that might give us a better glimpse into the future. But um, no, there's a lot on the line for different reasons, um, definitely in the constructors. Uh, obviously, Ferrari want to finish on a high. But, you know, there's lot, there's lots to think about. And can Mercedes recover? Because that's the question. Yeah. What about you, Bob? Well, I'm uh, right there with Jonathan. You know, this does not have the feeling of the last day of the school term as uh, season finales often can. There's so many questions to be answered, so many positions in the various championships that may switch. Um, so much that can happen in the race. I mean, Verstappen is uh, is not unbeatable. Tires, as always, will be important in pit strategy and so forth. So, uh, yeah, this is um, this should be a great end of season race. Chris, Mercedes v Ferrari for me. What's that? Mercedes v Ferrari for me. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget tomorrow, tune in for the race. We'll start at 7 a.m. Eastern time for our pre-race show and the race and then our post-race show. And we will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>